Please turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We are going to be in verses 8 through 20 this morning. So last week we looked at the faith of Joseph. Today we're going to look at the faith of the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. This is God's holy word. Let's give it our full attention. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping over watch to their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is God's holy word. May he forever imprint it on our hearts. Lord, we thank you again for this word. Lord, instruct us now and mold and shape us that we may glorify you in thought, word, and deed. In Jesus' name, amen. There are several things we see about the faith of the shepherds in this passage, but before we look at that, let us first make a couple observations of the text. First, let's recognize the circumstances. It's a typical night around Bethlehem. The shepherds are out tending their flocks, which is what they normally would have been doing, making sure that they're not wandering off in the night, looking out for predators, chasing them away and protecting their sheep if needed. And then suddenly, something that they never would have expected happens. An angel of the Lord appears before them, and they see the glory of the Lord shine forth around them. And we can read of their response. It says that they were immediately filled with fear. With fear. The Greek word that is used is the equivalent of our English word phobia. So this is not inherently an awe, it's a, it's a fear, it's, it's a trembling that they experience. It's sometimes actually used in the Greek language to signify someone who is frozen stiff or someone who is scared away. So perhaps the sight of the angel and God's glory initially gave them the impulse to run away scared. Have you ever had something terrifying jump out in front of you or scare you? and you tuck your tail and run away. 
I remember in the summer of 2000 when I was walking on at Glen Erie, which is the headquarters for the Navigators, heading up to Dawson Trotman's grave. He was the founder of NAVS. And I was walking alone. It was early in the morning, a little bit of a brisk air. And I looked down in the mud in front of me, and what do I see? It had rained the night before. I saw a fresh mountain lion track. And sure enough, within a couple of seconds, I heard it growl not too far off in the distance. One of the most terrifying moments of my life, being alone, I quickly picked up a rock, which would have probably been pointless had it showed up, and, and booked it and got down the mountain as fast as I could. Some of us have been there, you know, maybe not seen but heard. Talk to Zach. He's got a good story about, uh, about coyotes chasing him up a tree. Uh, you know, some, some of us have experienced moments like that. On the other hand, sometimes the word is also used, to, again, to signify people who are seized with alarm. They become frozen with fear. Like that time in Arizona when I was on a mission trip and I walked into the bathhouse and froze stiff when I noticed right in front of me on the wall was a big old tarantula. And if anybody knows me, I, spiders and I don't get along very well. Uh, I quickly, you know, got cleaned up in the, the shower stall farthest away. I was afraid to wash my face and my hair because I was afraid while my eyes were closed, I was rinsed it off, it was going to crawl in the stall and jump on me. Tarantulas can jump several feet if you're not aware of that. Uh, and so, again, but those initial moments just froze with fear. I didn't know what to do. I almost didn't take a shower that day. I'm like, you know, maybe everybody just needs to put up with me smelling bad. I mean, we've been working out in the Arizona heat, rebuilding a kitchen, but, you know, uh, God gave me strength to, to overcome the fear and move on. So perhaps the angel, when he appeared, some of the shepherds did similar things. Maybe some of them froze. Maybe some of them began to flee. Either way, we see the angel doing what normally happens when angels appear to people and they have such fear. They respond simply, fear not. Fear not. For behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. News of great joy. And if that wasn't enough, the message was driven home a little further when, or a lot further, when a multitude of angels appears and begins to praise God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Peace with whom he is pleased. Let's take note that this message has come first not to the religious elite. It did not come to the town leaders. It did not come to the aristocrats or the politicians. It came to a group of shepherds, blue-collar workers, like many of our friends here in Terre Haute. Sheep were important, yes, for making sacrifices in the temple. And so people appreciated shepherds for that. They needed the shepherds for their worship in the temple. But beyond that, they really held no place in society. They were sweaty, often stinky from their laborers out in the field with their flocks. 
doing it under the hot sun. They weren't the individuals that were invited to parties by kings or the wealthy class or politicians. Have you ever been made to feel small in a world that is big, in a world that has power, in a world that abuses power? Small in this massive world of power and prestige and wealth that no matter how hard or how many times you tried that you were never smart enough. You were never experienced enough. You were never educated enough. You were never popular enough. You were never good looking enough. And for some of us, decades later, we have emotional scars and we have trauma from that being the case of being continually rejected or made fun of or being the last person chosen in gym class or being the only one to get an invitation to the party to not get an invitation to the party. We live in a world that can make us feel very small. But our passage this morning is a reminder that God's kingdom is very different. God's kingdom is different. He's a God for people in low positions. He uses them to do amazing things for his glory, to shame the wise and the strong in this world. The Bible says it this way in 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what was weak in the world to shame the strong. And again, the shepherds in our text are a prime example of this principle. They are a prime example of this principle. They are weak in the world's eyes, but they are chosen by God to receive the first proclamation of this news of great joy. The news that the long-awaited Messiah that Israel had waited for for thousands of years had been born in their lifetime. So friends, don't let anyone make you feel weak and foolish. Don't let them make you feel as if you have nothing to contribute in this church or in the world. Your life story, your study of God's word, your prayers, your successes, even your failures. Yes, even your failures. All of your life in the hands of God can be used to do great things, just like he did great things through these shepherds. And 2,000 years later, we are still reading of their testimony and of their story. So let's come back to the story. and Notice again the news of great joy that the angels have brought them. The long-awaited Messiah has been born. The angels call him Savior, Christ the Lord. There is volumes of theology in each of those words. Savior, Christ the Lord. His very name itself declares the gospel. He is Savior, indicating that all people on earth are sinners that you and I are sinners, and that we are in need of saving. 
and that he is also the one who can do the saving. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God has given us a gift, eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is the Savior. We see he is also the Christ. He is the Christ, which means anointed one. This is the awaited Messiah whose kingdom of life and peace will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea and whose kingdom will never end. And he can accomplish it all and save his people from their sins because he is the Lord. This is the last thing we see. The Lord, make no mistakes, this is not an ordinary man. This is God taken on flesh. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Nothing like this had ever happened in history up to that point, and it will never happen again. God the Son, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, left heaven 2,000 years ago to take on flesh and to dwell among us. We hear that phrase all the time. But has it become dull to our ears of just how precious that is, that God came and dwelt among us? It's a beautiful thing. The Savior, Christ the Lord, has come. And if the shepherds had any doubt of it, the angel declared that we also have a sign for you. God likes to do that. He likes to leave signs. We see signs of of Christ in every time we come to the communion table. God gives signs. What was the sign? The sign is that they would find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This put the shepherds at a crossroad. It brought them to a point of decision. Were they going to believe that this indeed was an angel? Would they exercise faith and go see the miracle child? We read of their response in verse 15. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, and so they're consorting together, what are we going to do? It's great to have community and to be together. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, which the Lord has made known to us. Here then is our first observation of the shepherd's faith. We see that they have a faith expressed through simply taking God at his word. They have not yet seen the sign. They have not seen Jesus the baby yet, but yet they already have declared that what they have seen is something that the Lord himself had made known to them. Their faith at that point did not require seeing with their eyes. Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for, for the conviction of things that are not seen. They were living that principle in this moment. They had not seen Jesus himself, but they had believed the word that had been given to them that he was there. And so they went. 
Friends, let the shepherds be an example to us to be people that simply take God at his word. Yes, God gives us signs of his glory. Again, he gives us signs of Christ in the supper. He gives us signs that he is there by friends who are miraculously healed in ways that the world cannot understand that are miraculous. He gives us signs of his presence by giving us victory over sin that we tried over and over and over and failed miserably to overcome. And like that, there are times where we see instant victory. There are other times that we see victory over time. But it's all a glimpse of his presence within our lives, signs. He gives us signs through provision when we have time of need, whether that's from an unexpected gift from a friend that shows up at our door, or a surprise bonus at work that we had no idea was coming, or simply the church just coming around us and being the church when we have need. These signs of God's presence and care for us are great, and we should praise him for them. At the same time, let us be honest with ourselves. Is our faith contingent upon those signs? Is our faith contingent upon those signs, or do we simply, like the shepherds, take God at his word? So that when we read of his promises in his word, that we consider them as good as done. Even if we may not see their fulfillment for days or weeks or months or years or decades, or maybe not even in this life at all. But that from God's eternal perspective, that it is done. Because if we don't see the fulfillment of those promises in this life, we will see it in the life that is to come when we see God face to face. Just like our father Abraham. He was promised that his descendants would be as many as the stars of the heavens and the sky and as numerous as the sand on the shore. That indeed every family on earth would be blessed through him. Of course, he never saw the full fulfillment of that because we know that comes through the work of the gospel. And that promise is still being fulfilled today. But... There is a sense where, at the same time, Abraham saw it. Hebrews 11.13 says that he and other heroes of our faith all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Which is to say, they understood, they had a vision that the fulfillment was in the life to come. That the promise was for a heavenly kingdom, not an earthly one. Indeed, God gave them land. He gave them a kingdom. Indeed, he gave them all that through David and through the monarchy. And we could go through examples of ways that God provided in terms of the promised land and so on and so forth. But Abraham understood that the, the ultimate fulfillment of the promise was in a heavenly kingdom, that all of those signs that they saw were indeed that. They were signs. They were a partial fulfillment in time, or at least in time, a full fulfillment of that promise. But there's a promise beyond it in glory. They considered it as good as done. Oh, that our faith would be that strong. To read God's word and believe that. That from 
eternal perspective that it's accomplished. That in time, it's either going to be accomplished in this life or in the life which is to come. It's because we know that in all of the promises that God has given us through his word, they find their yes and their amen in Jesus Christ. All of God's promises find their yes in Jesus Christ. And so let us be people that take God at his word. Moving along in our text to verses 17 and 18, we see second that the shepherd's faith was expressed through their witness about Jesus. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Of course they did. No baby like this had ever been born. God made flesh. God come to save those who would believe in him. Mary pondered it in her heart. She knew what was coming, but yet the marvel of it still caused her to ponder even further the beauty, the miracle, the love, the compassion, the justice, the truth that was all going to be wrapped up in this child. May it always fill us with wonder. And like the shepherds, may it open our mouths to declare what God has done, to declare what we have seen, to do it to our neighbors and coworkers and families and friends, that through him they too can find eternal life. That through him, what they seek for at Christmas time, that peace and that love and that joy and that hope and that light, that they can stop looking for it in the world and stop being disappointed and that they can find it in Jesus Christ who gives them all in abundance for his people. His hand is never too short. He doesn't have a limited supply of these things. They are infinite, infinite peace, love, hope, and joy. The type of life that people dream about at Christmas time. So friends, do you know Jesus? Can you articulate who he is and what he has done? Do you meditate regularly on his word and pray for opportunities with eagerness to share about him and what you're learning and what you're reading? At Living Hope, let's be a community that lives life as mission in this way. To be eager to share with others so that they can too be filled with the wonder of the gospel the Son of God who has come to save all of those who believe in Him, the God who has come to bring peace and goodwill to men. And finally, in verse 20, we see the shepherd's faith expressed through praising God for what they had heard and seen. We read that the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. They didn't just live in the moment. They took the experience and the joy and the pleasure and the glory of what they've seen and heard, and they took it with them and used it to worship their God as they returned to their flocks at night. What would our weeks look like if we took time to do the same thing? Before being a pastor, 
it's shameful the number of times that I listened to sermons and gave them no consideration after leaving the church. After listening to God's beautiful word, to walk away as though I had never heard it. Or to not consider the songs that I had sung or the prayers that were lifted up or to really think about the encouraging words that my brothers and sisters had given me. What would our weeks look like if we took time to reflect upon and praise God for what we have seen and we have heard him do? What we have seen and heard him do through his word preached on Sunday mornings. What we have seen and heard him do in our lives through the testimony of others as we watch them live out their faith, as we listen to them speak about what God is teaching them and how he is forming them and shaping them. To partake of the table and walk away meditating throughout the week about the forgiveness that we have in Christ, that his blood covers us, that his body was broken for us and to meditate and ruminate on these things, that we may have joy and peace, and we may live in hope. So let us be a church that listens for God and His Word. Let us be a church that looks for the fruits of His Spirit, so that like the shepherds, we too can taste and see that Jesus indeed is the Savior, Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the Word that You have given us, we thank you, Jesus, for coming, for proclaiming your glory, Lord, to lowly shepherds, to remind us that you are a big God for small people. Lord, that you take the weak and the despised things of the world, Lord, and you redeem them and you equip them and you strengthen them by your grace and your spirit to shame the wise of this world, to shame the strong of this world, to show forth that you are the Almighty, that you are the one who alone is wise. Lord, we see your wisdom in sending Christ because we acknowledge that we are sinners and capable of doing any good on our own. But you sent Christ to accomplish a covenant of works on our behalf, that his perfect record of righteousness could be passed on to us, not through our efforts or works, but by grace. Lord, indeed, you have proclaimed peace upon those with whom you are well pleased. May we each feel that and know that and be assured of it this morning, because as your covenant people, that's what we have, peace through Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon was recorded at Living Hope Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more sermons and resources, visit livinghopeth.com